Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland. Our guest today is uh, my colleague from Cubs Insider, Ryan Tomure, who's been on before. And uh, Ryan gives, we talk a lot about a lot of different stuff today. Um, Joe Madden's new home in Anaheim, the search for his replacement. Uh, what moves would Ryan make if he was the Cubs GM? And we do trade a couple of big name uh, players that these aren't real trades, but as our roles as GM for the day, we make the trades. Uh, we talk about what other free agents the Cubs might bring in, and it all together, it's a pretty good conversation. So here is Ryan. Well, uh, Ryan, welcome back to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I was hoping this would be, you know, right in the middle of the Cubs' dramatic push for the World Series, but of course. Yeah, uh, that didn't happen. So, yeah, well, well, we can't. We're not always so lucky, right? <laughs> exactly. So, anyway, um, I guess I'll get to the big story for the Cubs right now, which is, of course, the managerial search. They've had interviews with. Um, I'm getting this list right: Mark Loretta, Joe right. Girardi, David Ross, uh, Joe Espada, um, Gabe Kapler. Am I missing anyone? Will Venable, maybe? Well, I was going to say Will Venable, I think, is the only one. Isn't Kapler tomorrow? I know he's on the list, but... Yes, yes. I'm not sure if the interview happened yet, but he's on the list, so... Yeah, I think you I think you just about uh, you just about narrowed down the field. Okay, so I guess I'll ask you, do you have a favorite out of the announced names for managerial candidates? Well, like, isn't it the worst po- podcast content just to say that I do trust Theo and Jed to make the right decision. Like ultimately I am less concerned with who the manager is than that. It's someone they feel like that they can collaborate with. So I feel confident that no matter who they hire, it's, it's going, the number one priority is going to be feeling like it's someone that they can work collaboratively with. Because for all of Joe Madden's strengths, that was, it seemed like that was kind of the bugaboo at the end is that maybe they were clashing on some of the, some of the analytics, some of the in-game decisions where I think we could see from the outside, like Joe's doing this, but I bet the front office is not like, this isn't the choice they would make. So yeah, my first choice is whoever they think it should be, but that's not a very fun answer. So my real first choice all along has been, has been David Ross. Um, I, not just for nostalgia's sake, but I think he's proven that he's a good leader and that he's someone that they get along with. And honestly, those are the two things that I care most about. Yeah, that, that is a, that's been a lot of people's favorite too. And of course our friends from Cubs insider, uh, Corey and Brendan, uh, they do not like Joe Girardi. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have like a specific anti Girardi bias either. I, you know, as a favorite, I would, I kind of like Espada. Because he's got that long resume and he's, you know, the Astros have a pretty, you know, successful winning culture. So I wouldn't mind it. But David Ross might not be that bad. At well, first I was, yeah. At first I was like, see a rah-rah guy, you know what I mean? Like, just like a, a mess. But the more you think about it, it yeah, I, I kind of like it. 
Yeah, well, I, I, I'm guessing you saw that that Kaplan uh, tweet today where he, he said, it sounds like Espada's interview was just sensational. Uh, right? I think that's the word he used, is it was sensational. So if they're going to hire an external candidate, it certainly sounds like Espada's the guy. And like the idea of bringing some of that institutional knowledge from the Astros, who just can do no wrong in anything they do, that's pretty exciting. And I don't know if, if you or anyone listening has read either Astro Ball or the MVP machine that just came out. Like, needless to say, everybody is fawning over what the Astros do all the time with every player they touch. So the idea of bringing someone over that has that knowledge that can hopefully try and translate some of that to the Cubs, I totally get the appeal. Yeah, and it's one of those things, too, that, you know, because they, they did all these this big... Um, organizational shakeup today, you know, hitting coordinator, pitching coordinator, and some minor league guys. Um, there's an article that Evan um, Cubs insider wrote that kind of runs it all down, but um, they brought, yeah. you know, they shook up the, the system, but they were all internal hires. Right. So do you think that it's, are you worried that they're not bringing in anyone from the outside? Do you think maybe they should inject some new blood into the organization? Well, yeah. And, and- I know I said not two, but two minutes ago that I trust Theo and Judd to make the right decision, but sometimes it's easy to talk on both sides of your mouth about this. But at the same time, this organization is not producing in the way that it once did, and not just at the major league level. Um, I know it's been talked about by quite a few people, but besides, I want to say it's it's, it's either, I think it's only David Bodie, who's someone who was picked outside of the first round that has had any significant major league impact. So it's hard not to view the system as it is, is if not broken, certainly not working as well as it should. So yeah, it becomes hard to say just shuffling the people that are already here around is the right move. I think that's a really valid criticism. Um, and it sounds like they tried to bring on someone like Kyle Bodie, um, but I, the rumors seem to be that they would want to leave driveline, so that just didn't work. So it's nice that they're thinking about it, but at the same time, yeah, we're. I know Corey talked about like let's get someone fired, like something's got to change. But really, everybody's just shuffling around, right? Yeah, you do get to feel like, and you know, obviously this they won the World Series, so I mean, but that was years ago, and and you yeah, things get can get stale, and you just. And they were talking, I can't remember, maybe it was, I read somewhere, somewhere that, um, you know, that, you know, McLeod's been with, you know, um, Epstein for what, 15 years? Right. Boyer on and off's been there for over a decade. And it's like, yeah, you wonder if it's getting to be hearing too much of the same voice. Yeah. And especially when that, you know, is at least maybe if not a stated, but an implied rationale for getting rid of Madden, despite him being, you know, for the most part, wildly successful is that leadership, you can, you can sometimes use a new voice. Um, so there's some willingness to apply that to the on the field stuff with Madden and with new coaches every year, but seemingly quite a bit less, uh, less willingness to apply that to the front office staff. Because yeah, it's just the same people shuffling in and out, right? The, the same people that have been there, either in Boston or in San Diego with Theo and Jed. So it, it, it does feel a little stale, but at the same time, I'm inclined to trust the front office because we really don't have another choice, do we? <laughs> that's right. They're uh, locked in for a while. So, yeah, that's right. Uh, speaking, I guess we should bring it up. Um, uh, Joe Madden is officially the Angels manager. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. He signed a three-year, I believe, twelve million dollar deal. If that I sounds read, right. right? And, yeah, um, that sounds right. So you know, he gets to manage Mike Trout, but it's kind of a veteran. You know, I don't want to say over the hill, but I kind of do over the hill team. It's they're going to have yeah. to bring in some young blood. But the thing with this thing is, that I feel it's going to be a tough spot because of this very sad and you know. I almost want to say bizarre situation with the team staff members of the angels, you know, providing opioids to some of the players, including Tyler Skaggs who OD'd on him. And it's like, that's kind of a big mess. So are you worried about Joe Madden? He's kind of getting into a tough situation. Well, let me here. I think I'm going to address those separately because they're like, they're, they're, they're messes of a different color, right? Like the, the opioids thing, I, I I suspect, and obviously I have nothing to back this up, but I suspect that that is a baseball cultural problem as opposed to something with the Angels. I think, to me, this seems like something where, you know, this this could be the tip of the iceberg of what we're learning. I don't know how you feel about it, but my my assumption is that they that's probably the one we're aware of. Does something bad happen? But I assume that this this is a problem everywhere, as it is you know, inside and outside of baseball. What do, what do you think? I uh, know. I definitely think that, I mean, you get this thing, you know, because we had the steroid issues and before our times, there was the cocaine thing in the early eighties. Mm-hmm. And these do not seem to be things that go for one organization. So, and I mean, in America at large, this is a serious problem. So you could be right. This could be a thing that baseball is going to have to deal with in the future. And maybe this is just like, we're just getting the first glimpses of it, and it just so happens to be in L.A. Yeah, and, and, and as far as Joe Madden's relationship to that, I mean, I, I think what, what I really do trust about Joe Madden, and I know this isn't like a, an Angels podcast, but I trust that Joe Madden cares about the people that he works with and that he manages, and he will take steps to take care of them in what way he can. Now, as we saw like with, with Addison Russell and some other stuff with Madden, I'm not confident he won't say some stupid things along the way that kind of make you scratch your head, but I'm confident they've got someone whose heart is in the right place and will take, make the steps to try and understand how he can be a part of the solution, even if he trips over his own two feet some of the time. Yeah. But as, as far as the talent on the Angels, I will say for me, they, they they do seem a little over the hill. They almost seem a little bit like those, um, they, they were not this bad, but sort of those Cubs teams transitioning from the horrible 06 to the 07, 08 window, where they've got some really good pieces and then a, a lot of stuff that's not so good. But if they were to go on a spending spree, they're not like, they can certainly spend their way into contention in one year, I have no doubt. Yes, and that does seem to be in the past what the Angels have done. Yeah, so I, I, for Madden's sake, I hope they do, because obviously, as a Cubs fan, I had no animosity towards the Angels, and uh, I will forever be a Joe Madden fan. Yeah, let's just put it this way. that I don't think him going to the Angels will ever come back to haunt the Cubs, unless they're in the World Series, and I think we'd all be okay with that. Yeah, you know what? If that, if, if that comes back to haunt the Cubs, at least we got a pennant out of it, right? <laughs> exactly. So I guess we'll move on from our... Angels portion of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously they had this press conference with Theo Epstein where he was not as harsh as last year's, but again, he was saying big changes are going to come to the 
on-field team. So right. I'm going to I'm going to go with the caveat that they actually do make changes this year. And it's not more like kind of a hollow thing like last year we're going to I'm going to assume that. But what do you think would be I'm going to make UGM for a day. Okay. You're, you're going to take over for Jed Hoyer. Okay. He, he has asked me for help before, so. <laughs> yes. So I, I won't ask for, like, am I, but if you had to make one of the, what I would say is one of the more core pieces of the Cubs to trade, who would you trade? Well, I, and it, it's hard, isn't it, to think about this? And I'm going to make you answer, too, if you're going to make me do this. But mm-hmm. it, it's hard to pick because, Ultimately, I don't want to pick any of the core. And for just, I'm, I'm considering the core to be Wilson and KB and Javi and Rizzo. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so among those four, honestly, Wilson is the only one that I would even be a little bit comfortable trading simply because I actually do believe in Victor Caratini, not to necessarily recreate what he did last year where he was, wasn't he one of the top 10 most valuable catchers in baseball, even though he didn't start? It was something like that. Yeah, it, it was something pretty pretty absurd. I, I do believe that Wilson could fetch a pretty decent amount back. Um, but honestly, the big thing for me is you look at the elite teams out there. You, I mean, the teams that are in the playoffs right now, the Astros and the Yankees and the Nationals, they don't have such poor framing catchers as Wilson Contreras. Um, I know he's working at it and it, it sounds like there was a lot of improvement at the end of the season, but the Cubs especially just don't have the kind of staff that can give up as many strikes as he gives up. Um, they need someone who can steal more of them because the, the staff is not going to generate them on their own. They need an assist from their catcher. And unfortunately that's not something Wilson's good at. All right, so I guess now I'm on the spot since... Yeah, yeah, no, you, yeah it's your turn now. Well, I will make the... I'm not going to trade Wilson Contreras, so I will make the quick pro-Wilson case. Okay. That, okay, but... All right, so now obviously the strike thing is... You know, hasn't been a, has been a problem, but um, you, got, you got Theo Epstein saying he made big progress late in the year. In 2016, right. he was actually an average framer, so... And that bat and stuff is very valuable. And I just, I know Caratini's good, but I just, I get worried about, you know, a guy that could be an all-star catcher for the next 10 years. I, I get worried about trading that. It's, but that's, a, it makes it so hard. Because I'm going to say someone that I do not want to trade. But if you're going to do it, this is the case that I would make. I would trade Chris Bryant. No! Yes. <laughs> I know. I hate to do it. But say more. Okay, so I mean, I love all these guys, but obviously, yeah, I don't want to trade Wilson either. Just to be clear, <laughs> yes, yes. But the, the thing is with Brian is, I just I think he's going to be gone in two years. Okay, I don't think he's going to resign with the Cubs. I get worried that he's had these nagging injuries the last couple of years that have really. Now, of course, that's what you could say about Wilson too. But Brian's mm-hmm. had these like the shoulder last year and then this year with the knee that were just like very chronic and sapping him at times. And you get worried about that. And I just think you'd get the most back for him. Certainly. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree. You certainly get the most back. I, I think Pete is, even though Wilson is the guy I said, I think people will be actually be surprised at how little you get back. I think it'll be a decent haul, but 
I have a feeling people are overshooting in terms of what they could acquire. Chris Bryant obviously gets a ton. And I happen to agree with you about the injury history. Like, of the four, um, Wilson is certainly up there in terms of who I'm concerned with. But, yeah, Chris Bryant is too. These nagging injuries are not – I shouldn't say nagging, but the shoulder injury in 2017 – or 2018, rather, and then last year's injury – have really derailed large parts of his season. Um, and a lot of, not to totally shift the subject, but a lot of people have talked about not wanting to sign Anthony Rizzo to an extension because he continues to have back troubles every season. But he's still playing 150 games every year. Um, I'm much more concerned about Chris Bryant's injury history and you know prognosis than I am about someone like Anthony Rizzo. Yeah, and I will make an argument here that I think, I think you will agree with. A hmm. guy like... a. Um, Anthony Rizzo and Javi Baez, I almost think are more valuable. Their value on the Cubs is much higher than their value if they're traded somewhere else. I don't know if that makes sense, but no, it totally makes sense. Um, and I, I, I certainly agree with you. I, I haven't heard anyone talk about Anthony Rizzo as a trade candidate. Um, not, I'm sure it's out there. But I've heard a lot of people say that you know once this contract is up after the. 2021 season, I believe that there's, they shouldn't be bringing it. They shouldn't be considering signing him to an extension. And I just don't agree with that. And as far as Javi goes, yeah, it's, it's hard to imagine what they could get that could possibly help them in this window by trading Javi Baez. But I, I feel the same way about trading Chris Bryant, to be honest. Yeah. So I, I do wonder like, cause they talk about big shakeup, but will they make a big shakeup? I don't know. They said yeah. they were going to last year and they never did. So you never know. Yeah, well, it's it's hard to imagine them rolling with the same thing. And for me, the big the thing that's really difficult, Sean, is this roster needs improvements, but it's really hard to see where to make them. Because I would love to. You talk about someone like a Garrett Cole, who you haven't brought up, but I will. He's not necessarily. I don't necessarily want to commit that much money to a pitcher. But even if they did, they already have so much money sunk into this rotation, um, and there's not. There's just not flexibility to move people around. Like it, you would prefer that it, the rotation was in a different spot than it is. But four of those spots are already completely locked down, and there's nothing you can do about them, and they're all expensive. Yeah, and it's one of those things too that like. A Colt, too. You hear rumors he's going to go to the West Coast and stuff. Right. You're right. He's going to get a lot of money. Yes. $250 million, you would think. I don't know. Maybe with this increasing, like, with these salaries dropping lately, maybe it won't. But if anyone was going to get big money, it would be Garrett Cole. So, you, yeah, it just I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen either, though I do have a question for you. Among the premier free agents that everybody's talking about the Garrett Cole versus Anthony Rendon. If the Cubs were going to sign one, what would your preference be? Oh, Rendon all day. I agree. Sure. Yeah. We're I on mean, the same page. The guy is incredible. Like those at bats he has are amazing. I mean, am I wrong? I'm, maybe I'm overreacting, but he might give the best at bat in baseball right now. No. And we saw that during that national uh, visit to Wrigley, right? His at bat, it was impossible to get him out. They would get him to two strikes and then it would be three and two, you know, within 30 seconds. And, who, you know, whatever happened after that is fine. But he provides the type of one of the biggest problems with the Cubs last year was just a really bad contact rate. And he's someone that could help that a lot. 
And he can work those competitive at-bats that, unfortunately, the Cubs were just not doing in large part outside of the, you know, the two through four spots in the order. It just wasn't happening consistently, and Rendon would fix that. I don't like the idea of Rendon as a KB replacement. I like the idea of Rendon as a guy that shifts KB to the outfield, but I don't, I'm not necessarily entertaining that as realistic. Yeah, I, I don't know what exactly Rendon will get, you know. I mean, he is 30, so would that lessen what he's going to get? I don't know. Yeah, and, and he has his own injury history, too. Not as much in the last couple of years, but it's certainly there. Um, so so there's, always, there's always that little bit of fear, isn't there? Because free agency is always risky business, even if it looks like a sure thing. Well, speaking of that, there is a guy that the Cubs acquired who's going to be a free agent who, you know, everybody's pretty much stopped talking about once the season's over, but... Uh, Castellanos will probably come at a cheaper rate than Rendon, even though he's a bit younger. Would you, do you want the Cubs to keep him? It's, it's such a a hard question. I I do in a vacuum. And I know that everybody is very pro Nick and I am too. Um, It's hard to imagine for me. It's not hard to imagine them keeping him in Schwarber. For me, it's hard to imagine them keeping him and Hayward, because I don't think they're willing to sacrifice that much defense in the outfield, because Hayward is not as strong in center field. You've got Castellanos and Wright, who it didn't show as much with the Cubs, but is historically rated as a very poor outfielder. So if you have Schwarber and Hayward and Castellanos left to right, that is a really bad defensive outfield. And run prevention is already a problem for this team. So I'm just not sure that they feel they're going to feel like they can sacrifice that much by having Castellanos there too. Yeah. And you do wonder too. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. I love Jason Hayward, but would mm-hmm. they ever try to package him with a, with a younger guy to try to get rid of that contract? You ever think that would happen or, or they no, just get it? Well, I, I love Jason Hayward too. I think I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm going to stress this at the beginning because I have, I really love Jason Hayward. I would really like for them to see if they can maybe offload him this year, but I don't, I don't think it's that realistic. He does or that unrealistic rather. He doesn't have that much longer left on his contract in the grand scheme of things. So if the Cubs were willing to eat a significant portion of it, it's not hard to imagine that someone could want a, you know, a roughly two win outfielder or league average hitter, uh, who certainly goes through his his dry spells throughout the season, but he's not. He's certainly not a player without value, and I think to the right team, he could have a lot of value. For the Cubs, I don't think he's certainly not a means to like acquire someone new or get some new shiny prospect, but if they could offload some of that salary, I think it's worth exploring, and to be honest, I'd be kind of surprised if they didn't at least pick up the phone and see if, see if anyone's interested. Who knows if they will be? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's what I'm thinking, too, that they're going to have to try to find – I think there, there is money coming off the, off the books. That is a thing that's happening because you've got Zobrist up and Cole Hamels and, you know, God willing that they're going to non-tender Addison Russell. So Oh, I'm not even considering that they're not going to non-tender Addison Russell. <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm really hoping that that's a thing that – Happened. So that is about $40 million or so coming up the books, but they still have a pretty big payroll. 
So yeah, you do and, wonder if they're going to try to offload somebody. Mm-hmm. And, and you've still got the arbitration raises to factor in. Like, unfortunately, it's just not as much money as it looks like. Um, and Cole Hamill's $20 million option is off the table. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm skeptical that they're going to go after someone like Rendon or Garrett Cole, but I, I certainly hope they're going to be willing to make significant upgrades around the margins. Yeah, that's that's the hope anyway. So, so we can find Dan, another Daniel Descalza. <laughs> yeah, no, please, no more Daniel Descalza. I know. God help me. Um, no, so I guess I'll close out with another uh, really big performer from the playoffs who I really think would be a great fit for the Cubs, especially with the contact issues that we've talked about in the past. But what do you yeah. think about Howie Kendrick? For a short deal, I I can certainly see myself getting into it, and I feel like he's he's generating a lot of momentum in that sense as someone that can be a good fit for the Cubs. Um, as long as it's as long as it's a short deal, um, I, I'm certainly for it. Yeah, I think it could be something that could make a lot of sense. Well, how are you feeling about it? No, I, I like it because you know he's 36 years old, so a long term deal is probably not going to be in the cards. He's a guy, he makes a lot of contact, doesn't strike out a ton, gets a, mm-hmm. puts a lot of balls in play. And, I mean, for one, he, he kills the Cubs. He right. always kills the Cubs. So, But I really do think he would be a good, I almost want to say, I don't want to say a Ben Zobris replacement, but, yeah, kind of like a fill-in for Ben Zobris. And, you know, you've got Nico Horner. Maybe he's not ready for an everyday job yet. So it would right. kind of be a good transition thing to see no i i am i am totally with you and actually i know you said you're closing out but i have i have a question for you too among the among the departing the cubs that are entering free agency if you could have one back who would you have because right now it's it's really seeming like they might bring none of them back yes so of all the guys that are leaving the cubs right now who would i keep hmm I, you know, I have to say, I have to go with Castellanos. Mm-hmm. I can't, I, none of the other guys, I mean, like a Russell, guys like that, mm. and Hamels, yeah. if you can get Hamels on a really cheap deal, but I just, you know, he had that injury and it really threw him off at the end of the year. It but um, is there any, who would you keep? Well, despite everything I said, like, I, there's a part of me that would certainly like Castellanos to be back. I do feel like that that bat slam home run against the Brewers was probably the last, like, unambiguously good moment of the 2019 Cubs. Um, I honestly, maybe this is who I want to be back. Maybe it's who I think will be back. I think there's a very good chance that Cole Hamels is brought back on some sort of short deal to to fill in the rotation. And to some extent that doesn't leave a good taste in your mouth to roll out the exact same rotation that that wasn't quite good enough. Uh, but I do think it's that injury that derailed the season. So if you can bank on him not sustaining it since he has had it before, but it's not exactly something that's likely to reoccur. If you're willing to place some money on him, just, you know, having a relatively healthy year, he was very effective before that. So it, it's not very exciting, but I, I could certainly see them bringing Cole Hamels back. All right. So I'll ask you one more. Okay. You, you wrote an article that I, I mean, you're trying to, I don't know if you're trying to cause us pain, 
us Cubs yes. fans with this article. But you wrote this article on the five worst Cubs losses of 2019. Yes. Why would you bring up those bad memories? I'm just going to ask. I, I thought it would be fun. It, it wasn't. It really wasn't. It wasn't fun at all. Um, I have no idea why I thought it would be fun. Like I, I, I make a lot of stupid decisions in my life, and this was one of them. But uh, you know, it was it, it was sort of fun to see people's reactions to it. I'll say that. But yeah, looking back at this 2019 Cup season, I'm not sure that's something. It's something I really feel the need to reflect on much more than I already have. To be honest with you. So for the people at home who might not have read it, they should look it up if they are gluttons for punishment. But what was your number one loss of the number one worst loss? Um, I was, so I did, I didn't rank them in the article, but, but since you're asking my, my personal least favorite loss was the walk off in Pittsburgh with the very stupid, and very dumb Addison Russell play where he threw, threw it home, even though he was playing way back. Um, and then on, to top that off, he had the audacity to say something to the effect of, in my opinion, I was playing too far back to throw home. Like, well, yeah, Addison, that's why, that's why you were playing that far back. You weren't supposed to go home with it. And yeah, that was, I believe that was Craig Kimball's first blown save. And I'm, I, correct me if I'm wrong on that. And unfortunately it was a preview of, quite a few of them to come. So yeah, that's, yes. that was my least favorite loss of the season by a considerable margin. Yes. But there's a lot to choose from Sean. Yes. I would say mine was, uh, the one in San Diego with the walk off walk, any game that ends in a walk off walk is very annoying. You I know what? Just... If I, if I had been able to stay awake for that one, it very well could have been my number one, but <laughs> Thank God that was on the West Coast, and I I woke up to that. It still stung, but not as much as it did if you're watching it live. Yes. Well, for someone who had to write a recap of it, it was not fun. Oh, I I, I do not envy you there, my friend. Nope. All right. Well, um, thank you for uh, coming on my podcast again. I'll yeah, you, absolutely. Uh, uh, where to follow you on Twitter? Yeah, no, uh, so it's, it's at my name, at Ryan, R-Y-A-N, Tomure, T-H-O-M-U-R-E, and I'm also writing for Cubs Insider. <laughs> yep, and if you want any articles about Cubs injuries, he's the guy to go to. Ah, thank you. I am on STH85 on Twitter, if you want to follow me, and of course, as you heard, Ryan is Ryan Tomure on Twitter, and uh, the podcast is available on the Apple Podcast Store, and Spotify. If you have any other requests for, you know, places you want to hear the podcast that you listen, uh, just uh, let me know. You can tweet at me or uh, email me at holycowpod at gmail.com. And until our next episode, thank you as always for listening.